Chris Payne from Euclid, Ohio, and you are listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate two feet before we nursed. Listen, Laverne, you face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. It is the Barbecue Central Show, where we talk about live fire barbecue and grilling-related items of only the highest order, doing it, live, do it live every Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Hour number one of the podcast will be released early tomorrow morning on Wednesday for your consumption. Hour number two will be released on Thursday, and I'll tell you about Friday here in just one second. A lot of you are writing in saying or questioning if Derek's internal finish of 84, 85 degrees was actually accurate. I don't know much about doing blue steaks as far as cooking them. Listening to Derek's reasoning and saying, hey, you eat beef tartare or you eat carpaccio, I eat both of those. Why would I take a dump on blue steak i don't know i don't have a really good answer for that except that i think it would be tough to eat but again if you are using the cut that he had mentioned which is beef tenderloin that's going to be a lot more tender than a sirloin is going to be or as he had mentioned some of the other fattier cuts which are going to be problematic for many reasons due to that low internal finishing temp however i would say this if you know anything about Derek, and we all know Derek. He is, if nothing else, well-researched on technique and method when it comes to cooking. He's a multiple-time author. I'm not saying that he... Uh, I can't confirm that he went out and did research on this, but certainly I don't think he's shooting from the hip on this. If this is how the norm or the majority of people are cooking a blue steak, or evidently my regional term is Pittsburgh then I have no reason to doubt that 85 or 90 degrees finish temp is the one you're going to want to shoot for. Uh, Dan, Greg should give it a try. Maybe I will. Maybe it'll be this weekend in Columbus for volleyball. Who knows? We might go to Jeff Ruby's, and they are a primo steakhouse. Not primo the grill, but they are a very high-level steakhouse, so I might have to ask John, the general manager, to do a little extra work for me there in the kitchen and might give it a try. We'll see about that, but no promises. I'll report back on Tuesday next week if I do. Also, Guy the Cooking Sam was saying, let's see, where did it go? We can hear you. That's all that matter. Maybe go easy on your guests from now on. No. I only sound like this because... My gear got peed on by a cat. Otherwise, I would sound great. And more importantly, that's why we do sound checks in advance. 
so I can make sure that you sound great and that the show's sound quality is going to be elevated. And if I tell you in the segment that something is wrong, I'm not going to be dismissed anymore. And trust me, I yelled feverishly at those embedded dumb spondents <laughs> last time and said, you know what, next time, pals, when I tell you it ain't right, no more telling me that it is right or this is what it's like for you. No, no, no. You unhook and rehook, and that way I can tell you if the thing is fixed. So, Guy, I appreciate the input. I only think uh, the top levels of respect and peace and, peace love, and love with my guests. Peace and love. But sound is paramount here. And while I am obviously talking out of both sides of my mouth, because where do I love to live? Where is my home, my countryside estate? It is in the state of hypocrisy, yes, because that's where I live. But I didn't, otherwise it's no show tonight. And I think I'm good enough tonight, if I'm hearing it in my ear, obviously the listen back is going to be key. And if it's terrible audio, guess what? It's not getting posted in podcast. I'll delete it off of Facebook, I'll delete it off of YouTube, I'll delete it off of Twitch. It will never get posted on the podcast feed, and anybody listening to live can say, we heard that show live, and then it's just gone. That's it, it's gone. But that will be for review here a little bit later. So, we say good evening to those of you watching through one of those streaming platforms, because this might be the only way you ever see this show, depending on how I evaluate the sound. If you would like to take part, go to Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. You can also watch on YouTube slash RD Rempe, where there is a large chat happening. And we are getting an update on the poll right now. Yes or no, Motley Crue should be considered a hair slash glam band. 81% of you are saying absolutely. We'll ask the embedded correspondents what they think, although I think I made a pretty good argument against on the no, but Derek Riches said yes, they are, and Bob Trudnack said yes, they were, but I have a feeling I might have twisted his arm into my way of thinking, which I have a tendency to do to some people sometimes, but I think your first answer is the answer that you should be going with, so Bob also believes it, so I'm certainly in the minority, which is typically where I am on a lot of things anyway, and that's just the way it is. So there's your update on the poll question, and we'll check in again on that before the show ends. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday episode, if you can believe, 266 taking you back to January 27th, 2015. You know, in other promos for the best moments show, I have said things like this. I'm not going to give it away. But then over the following few minutes of promoing what's going to be happening on Friday, I give it all away. <laughs> However, I'm not going to do it this time. So all I'll say is this, and quote me on it. Nephew, uncle, drunk, barbecue fork. And make sure that you tune in to the Barbecue Central shows and uh, this coming Friday, the best moments of the Barbecue Central show. And hear how those dots are actually connected. You do need to subscribe to the podcast feed in order to get that particular show 
or replays of this show, of course, but specifically the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. Again, nephew, uncle, drunk, barbecue fork, and to get the connections, make sure you listen to the show Friday, and then give me your feedback. By the way, if you would like to hear a past guest or segment again that might be lost in the archives, make sure you email John, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com and let him know what you would like to hear, and he will do his best to meet your expectation. Well, as I had mentioned in the beginnings of the interview with Derek Riches, there has been an event. You're just tuning in. You're wondering why the audio sounds a little lackluster. It's because one of my four cats went around and pissed on my mixer, shorting all of the XLR and multi-jack inputs out, which renders this microphone completely worthless. Now, you might be asking yourself, why is it working now? Well, because I have my work computer just off to the left of me here. In fact, this is what it looks like right now. This is my uh, work webcam right here, and uh, this is the shot that it's getting right now. And I'm connected into line four. I'm caller number four. Caller, we're coming to you. That's me. I'm caller number four. So Doug's going to be in line one. Rusty will be in line three, as they usually are for the embedded correspondence segments. And I'm technically in line four. That was my workaround as the new mixer gets on its way. But as I told Derek, the one that I wanted is not coming in until June. So I couldn't wait. I couldn't do a show like this for five more months. Uh, I would end the show. And there's no other mixer out there that can do the things I needed to do, except one step down, which is the one that I found. So luckily, there we are waiting for that to show up. So hopefully by next Tuesday, we'll be back and ready to go. Now, I said I was coming clean on something else, and I'm going to do that right now. Last week at the top of the show, during Meathead's last appearance, he was talking about AI and how it was getting ready to change the way web traffic was being sent to websites, and how you might want to figure out a different business model if you count on traffic from websites like Google and other things, how that was going to change. And that got me thinking. So Sunday, before the show last week, I went on the ChatGPT's website, made an account, and then punched in the following. Write a four-minute monologue for the Barbecue Central Show Tuesday night dealing with current industry events and any barbecue-related contest or big events. Then I took it and read it during the open last week just to see if it could pass the sniff test, and I think it did. It wasn't something I would have written myself for the show, but for a test of AI, I thought it was really good. And if it's only going to get better, I can see where this is going to be a benefit for me and show production, not from a, I'm going to have it do all the prep work for my guests for me type of thing. But I can see the uses in generating show notes, writing blog articles to follow up on interviews and other things. You just need to phrase it correctly to get the best content. So here's my suggestion. Go to the ChatGPT website. Start getting used to using it because everybody's going to be using it sooner than later. Don't be left behind on this one. You were left behind on Facebook. You were left behind on Twitter and on Instagram and all that stuff. ChatGPT, however, did not generate this particular take. It was me, all me. But check it out. You don't want to miss out on the next latest craze, ChatGPT which definitely is not going away. 
The embedded correspondents are in. Before we get to them, I'm talking to you about pits and spits. The best-looking pits, cookers, smokers, and grills on the market. Pits and Spits offers a full family of products, including traditional offset smokers, wood pellet grills, charcoal grills, travel grills, combination pits, fire pits, and much more. Pits and Spits has been one of the only American fabrication shops that's focused solely on smokers and grills for almost 40 years. Why is that important? They're able to put an emphasis on quality and design locally sourced materials and unmatched attention to detail. From the fully welded barrels to the heavy gauge steel, they bring both function and beauty to life. Pits and Spits builds every product with the intention that it gets passed down from generation to generation. Whether you're into competition barbecue or you just want to take the barbecue and grilling game in the backyard to the next level, there's a product for you. Check them out at pitsandspits.com slash Central. That's Pits and Spits, all spelled out, P-I-T-T-S and S-P-I-T-T-S dot com slash BBQ Central. Use promo code BBQ Central at checkout for a free spice pack when you accumulate an order of $500 or more. Again, that's $500 or more for your order. Use promo code BBQ Central and get a free spice pack. Pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. Look at this. Willoughby celebrity Kevin Coyne in the instant chat. Look at him. Owning one of the many eateries, watering holes, and funeral homes in Willoughby. How about that? Multifaceted, a captain of industry. Happy to have Kevin in the chat here this evening for as long as he's happy to stay. We're back with the Embedded Correspondence right after this. You're Stick listening right to back. the Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in three sizes with a host of accessories. If you're a beginner or a professional, it doesn't matter. It's a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. It is the fourth Tuesday of the month, and you know what that means. We are loading in the... Damn it. Now you can hear me. I had my. I didn't have my thing on. Oh, I'm so, so embarrassed. Oh, dear. This is what happens when you run loop-arounds to make a show. You don't hit the right button because you're not used to hitting it. And uh, I don't I don't think anybody even heard anything I was saying. Uh, Doug, did you hear the pit barrel read? I did. No, I yeah. can't hear Doug either. You, oh, Rusty. Doug, are you on mute? SOB, yes, I am. Yes. All right. Wow. Well, we are all rolling out here. The Rusty's Dumb right Spondent on. Show right is on. on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just just half half done, Spondents. All right, so we got uh, Doug to the right of me, of course, longest running embedded correspondent. And then we have Rusty Monson, the embedded correspondent from the great city of Utah, also the pitmaster of Salt City Competition Team and the associated barbecue food trailer, of course. I I need to reference something that has nothing to do with what we're about to talk about here. Uh, more AI stuff. So I just told everybody how I had artificial intelligence write the open to the show last week. Well, 
fan of the show, Carlos Martinez, wrote me an email and said, Greg, good morning. I was messing around with chat AI, and look what I found. Are you hiding something from us? Ha, 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 ha. And it goes on to say this. He wrote in, who is Greg Rempe? And Chat AI wrote back, Greg Rempe is a barbecue expert, mm, allegedly, and the founder of AmazingRibs.com. <laughs> he has been a passionate barbecue enthusiast for over 30 years, which would make me starting this at 18, which of course I didn't. Has extensive experience grilling, smoking, barbecuing a wide variety of meats, which I may or may not do. He's also a well-known figure in the community and is often sought after for his expertise and advice on barbecue-related topics, which, of course, is true. The biggest thing that I came to learn out of that is Meathead is my puppet, and now the cat is out of the bag. So thank you to Carlos Martinez for shining the spotlight on something I had kept hidden for well over a decade and now it's out in the open i am the creator of amazingribs.com all right guys so we are back at it here for the embedded correspondence segment we are sans john here this evening who went through medical procedure on friday and he uh, was not at full throat as we would say so i told him to go ahead and rest it out and come back in february when uh, hopefully he will be back in fighting shape. So we wish him all the best in a speedy recovery. However, we do have a set of 100% assurity questions to run through here, just three of us gals, and here's question number one. Rusty, 100% yes or 100% no, 2023 will be the year of butter on social media. I don't think so, no. No, I do not. All right. Doug, yes or no on butter? I agree with Rusty. No. And now I am going to go against both of you and say just off of what I've seen so far in January, it will absolutely be the year of butter on social media. I've already seen it three different ways. We're only four weeks into the month. Uh, you know, Jess Pryle said last month, hasn't butter always been around, but... To me, it is more visible than it's ever been over the last three weeks than I can remember the last 10 years, and I think that's something that is going to carry on. Nevertheless, question number two, Doug. 100% yes or 100% no, your inside gas stove will cause the rise in popularity of full-size electric grills. I think yes. I just saw another article on it today. All right. Rusty, 100% yes or 100% no, the inside gas your inside gas stove will cause the rise in popularity of full-size electric grills. No. Why? No, it wouldn't. No, no reason for that. Even though, well, I'm not going to speak for Rusty. Uh, we'll circle back to him here in just a second. But my answer is this. While I've seen a number of articles uh, that I'm sure you're referencing the same thing here, Doug, I'm going to go with no. I don't think it's going to be the cause of rise in popularity of full-size electric grills. I think they're going to rise on their own. I have predicted that full-size electric grills are going to be a thing here in 2023, even though they came out last year. But this is the year they're really going to take hold and latch into the live fire landscape. 
Uh, Rusty, are you familiar with these articles that are being written about gas stoves and homes being a health hazard and how some states are already calling for them being outlawed and not put in new constructions either? First of all, they're not being outlawed. They're being asked to, like, let's say if I want to replace my gas stove with an electric one, I get a rebate. They're not asking us to do anything. So I don't think it's going to matter because no one's going to really care too much for at least several years before. If it is an issue, it's going to take a while for that to become an issue in everyday man's life, you know? So, no, it's not going to happen this year. It's going to be way off if it does I've happen. I've read articles. I've read oh. articles that, especially in California, that they are looking at banning gas mm -hmm. stoves. But currently, they're just giving rebates on gas stove purchases. So the the chicken little stories don't really scare me much. I don't think it's going to happen. But it is California. You know, they get all weird down there. Doug, what do you know? Man, I think there's a lot of tree huggers out there. And I think this is going to scare people. And I disagree with Rusty. They are, if they're giving you a rebate, they are asking you to do something that you probably may not want to do. So I disagree with that. All right, uh, we'll see where it goes from here. 100% yes or 100% no, Rusty. The use of Koji is going to be a measurable trend in 2023. It should, but it won't. Koji's awesome. Get that big stuff out of here. I'm going to agree with Rusty. It's not. I'm also going to agree with Rusty that it should, but I just don't think this will be the year for it. Doug, do you agree 100% yes or 100% no that Koji is going to be a measurable trend in 2023? I have to say yes because I already bought some Koji and I'm going to make some compound butter. And that makes the trend. I mean, Doug started queso for crying out loud. And, right, uh, there you go. Uh, Burger Tuesdays and Meatless Mondays. And, I mean, he is a social media maven, so you got your finger on the pulse a little bit more, certainly more than me. I'm not going to speak for Rusty, but um, why do you think people are going to take more of an interest in it this year? Um, I thought Meathead's discussion was very good on koji and so i think it's something new something different and if it can you know i think the, the thing that really caught my my attention was if it can kind of give an aged smoked a you know a, a dry age to a steak or whatever yep. i'm very curious about that so I, I i think that enough people will be curious about it that it will take a, a little bit of a hold I am going to try and push that trend a little bit more as I'm working on landing Jeremy Umansky to come on and talk way more in depth about Koji since he is co-author of Koji Alchemy, which came out last year. I believe that was a James Beard-nominated book. So, And he's a local guy here in Cleveland. Doug and I actually dined in his establishment a couple of years ago when he was visiting Cleveland. So next question. We'll go back to Doug. Smoked meatloaf is greater than regular meatloaf absolutely it's the only way i will eat meatloaf oh <laughs> doug rusty 100 <laughs> yes or 100 no smoked meatloaf is greater than regular meatloaf first of all i'm pretty sure if we were to go back and do a test of who got most of this stuff right it would be me i would pay for that study if anyone's interested um, but I'm going to agree with Doug 100% on this. Uh, it's the only way I'll eat meatloaf. Rusty, if you are 
so concerned to prove that you are the best guesser of trends, go back through and do the work. I, I don't care that much to go back through and waste my time, but if you care that much, it's very easy to do. Just go back and add them up. You lost me at work, but I'll tell you right now, it's, it's a fact. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm going to make it a quorum. I agree. Smoked Meatloaf is incredible. The best barbecue shop here in Cleveland on the west side, Barbecue Smokehouse in Parma, has some of the best smoked meatloaf I've ever had in my life. And I make one of the best smoked meatloafs that are currently out there. And Danny Cassano is doing a bang-up job over Barbecue Smokehouse. And we have another question. Over the history of rock and roll... The worst version of this genre is hair slash glam bands. I'm going to take this one as a former ha hair band fanatic as a child. I absolutely love them all, winger and all that stuff. But I also uh, grew up out of cartoons, so um, it is absolutely the worst. And Jess Brothers, man, wow, dude, wow. Doug, 100% yes or 100% no, hair slash glam bands is the worst version of rock and roll. I take a little personal offense to this, so my obvious answer is no. The British Invasion and the doo-wop R&B was worse. R&B? Doug, wow. First regular meatloaf, <laughs> R&B, all right. Uh, I'll break the tie and say 100% yes, hair glam bands are the worst version of rock and roll ever made. The thing that really pisses me off about hair slash glam bands, and unfortunately Motley Crue falls into this as well, is the thing that makes them hair slash glam bands, in my opinion, which is the power ballad. Look, if you want to rock rock but then don't sing to me about some sappy sad song about your girlfriend or whatever the hell it is that you sing about your power ballad i don't want to hear those i want something that rocks and 99 percent of the time this is why i don't put motley crew into the hair slash glam band category even though they are in that time frame and they had the look of course for a long time some of them still do except for vince neal who's fat it's the power ballad. I have to hold that against him to a certain degree. And for most of those bands, that's the singular thing that I hate most about it. It's the power ballad. I can't do it. Although my wife loves power ballads. She has the old CD that came out like 15 years ago. Uh, a couple questions. Uh, one question left. Uh, we'll go to Rusty first. Rusty, if cats are routinely pissing in your house... It is absolutely okay to administer the death penalty. Um, you know, I think at that time, yeah. I mean, they come too complacent. They're not on the team anymore. They lose. Doug, 100% yes, 100% no. If cats are routinely pissing in your house, in your house, it is absolutely okay to administer the death penalty. As a cat lover, I have to say, no. Mm. Oh, dear. And now <laughs> I have to break a tie again. As someone who literally had his stuff pissed on over the last year and a half when you go back and listen to it, yes, of course it's okay to kill the cat.
Now, <laughs> quickly you could come back at me and go, well, have you killed all four of those cats that are in your house? And, of course, the answer is no, because I have three daughters and a wife who would then probably kill me for killing the cats. But that doesn't mean any less in my mind. I can see myself wrapping my big hands around their little necks and snapping them like twigs because I can't figure out even which one peed on my very expensive mixer. $700 mixer, and the cat pissed all over it. <sighs> anyway, that's it for the 100% surety questions. And we have some other things to dig into here this evening. Let's do this. We talked about it. Lead question was butter going to be the food trend of the year, and we had some mixed thoughts on that. But let's dig into butter a little deeper. You're seeing it as we get into 2023 here. Doug, we'll start with you. Why do you think we are really seeing such a rise in popularity in butter, of all things? Well, uh, other than the butter boards of last year, I've actually only seen it twice this year, and it's not like I, I mean, every occasionally I go down the rabbit hole of Instagram and video, you know, the, the reels and stuff, but, uh, and one was with John, my brother John, EC, that uh, was commenting on the, the smashing of butter into peanut butter. So I, um, I just haven't seen it that often. Now that was gross and disgusting as, I'm, as, as John thought, but uh, um, I just don't see it that much and I think it's gonna die away and it'll be much less than the cream cheese of last year. Much less, all right. Uh, Rusty, uh, as we dig a little bit deeper into this, do you have any thoughts on the rise of visible butter? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like especially in barbecue, where I come from, like in competition, barbecue uh, butter became this, you know, actual something that was important to get high quality, you know, and so it kind of put butter on the radar a little bit more because there are all these artisan butters coming out, like Kerrygold and things like that, and so of course, as the butter gets better, you're going to want to add that to certain things, and it was just a natural rise of you know of of something that we're putting a little bit more importance on than we used to. And so I don't think it'll go far, but it's cool, you know, that hopefully it'll, it'll uh, add to more people coming out with better butters. Better butters. Better butters. I don't know why it took off as the year turned. Uh, first of all, as I had mentioned at some point as, at the close of last year, I by and large missed the butterboard trends, although when I started doing some Google research here over the last week or two, they all resurfaced for me to learn all about, and it was very bizarre uh, what people were doing with cutting boards and putting butter on it and all this other stuff. But then as the year turned, seeing the butter candle, and then a week later there was a trend where people were jamming sticks of butter in things. Uh, the one that I saw most was either jars of peanut butter or jars of Nutella, like whole sticks, just jamming it right down into the middle of it. And I'm thinking... People are just going to continue this. You know, maybe it stops at the end of Q1, but it could have a three-month stretch of people just taking raw sticks of butter and trying to figure out something crazy to do with it to keep a trend on topic or to keep butter in the 
in the eye of where food trends are right now. So we'll see, you know, where that comes. Uh, uh, by the way, Rusty, I love butter, and I would love to see more gourmet butter makers or specialty butter makers come out because I have a very limited selection here, aside from whatever the generic brands are. You have the Land of Lake stuff, and then Cary Gold, and that's about it for me, unless you go online and you start ordering some more expensive stuff. So it could be in the uh, general grocery stores or at least a better selection of higher-end butters i'd certainly be on top of that yes doug um yeah i I do agree with your your sentiment from the standpoint of everyone has stinking butter so it makes it easy it's not like you have to go out and buy something and so i think from the ease and and ability to just do it you know the the second you think about it that may lend to it becoming somewhat of a trend but god hopefully not Uh, All right, guys, uh, stand by. We will come back and make sure I don't uh, uh, mute myself here like I did the last time. Uh, We'll come back here in just a second and finish up with some more of the in-depth topics with the Embedded Correspondents, Doug and Rusty, joining me here this evening as John sits it out and should be back next month. Green Mountain Grills, the premier pellet cooker out there on the market, one of the premier pellet cookers out there on the market, Choice Line, Prime Line, you want to save a couple bucks if you don't need all the bells and whistles that you might find on the prime line version or some of the other cookers out there available on the market then the choice line is right for you it's still a great better than entry level cooker cooks a lot of food i have a couple on my patio right now they're 10 11 years old at this point still cooking very well now if you want something that does have the bells and whistles two internal meat probes, the Wi-Fi, you can download an app, you can control the grill right from the ease of an app on your phone, you can raise and lower the temperature, you can create custom cook cycles if you would like to, you can turn it into a holder of food once it's done, almost limitless, then PrimeLine is the one you want to do. A couple bucks more, but if you think that's worth the investment over the choice line, then that's the one you want to get. How do you know for sure? Well, they're only sold through dealers, so you go to GreenMountainGrills.com, you find a dealer near you, and then check out the Choice Line, check out the Prime Line, do a side-by-side right there on the premises. Ask the salesperson, get educated, and then pick the line that's best for you, and then pick the cooker in the line that is best for you, and away you go. While you're there, ask them if they have the pizza oven insert, because it fits in both the Choice and the Prime Line cookers. Now, if you're looking for something that's a little bit more versatile or travelable, which is probably not a word. The Trek is the one you want to check out. You're not sacrificing a tremendous amount of capacity for portability. Again, only sold through dealers, so find one near your GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. And we are back with more embedded correspondence right after this. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. We will rejoin the embedded correspondents here in just one moment. Uh, my mom writing in peanut butter and ah. butter sandwiches are awesome. Oh, yes, they are. As a youth, 
I used to consume any number of peanut butter and butter sandwiches. Rusty, you a peanut butter and butter sandwich eater on Wonder Bread or just plain white bread? I don't need to double down on the butter, man. Just the peanut butter, fine with me. All right. Uh, Doug, you a peanut butter and butter eater, sandwich eater? No, when I was growing up, I used to eat honey and peanut butter and on a piece of bread. Ooh. So that was actually honey a good peanut butter. Good, yeah, I did, I did like that. Health it's a new there. trend. Rusty, you there? No, that's just delicious, man. I'm hungry now. <laughs> Honey and peanut butter sandwich. All right, so uh, next topic here is the review of the Beyond Meat steak tips. Well, let's take a quick straw poll and see if there's something we're going to be working into. Doug, were you able to find any? No, I've looked again, and it just doesn't oh, seem to no. be distributed down here. Rusty, did you find any? I um, I, I look so often wherever I go, and I can't find them. That I think that it's going to be ingrained in me for several years, and I will always look for them subconsciously for <laughs> at least three or four years now. Hmm. All right. Well, I was able to find a bag uh, also ready to go last month for the review, but we ran into a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, and so I, do, I would rather not give a full review at this point since it's just me. I believe I believe John has also been able to secure a bag of the st seared steak tips from Beyond Meat. So we'll push that until February, and at least we would have two opinions on it, and uh, we can have you guys continue to look. Um, anybody looked on Amazon and see, like, will they ship? Does Amazon ship frozen stuff, or is, is that a no-no? I'm not sure. I haven't, but that's what I'll do if it's on there. I, I'd totally do it. Yeah. Hmm. Let me know, Let me know, Rusty. I'll, I'll oh, buy yeah. it on Amazon. Keep me in the loop. I don't like Amazon. Keep me in the loop anything. on that. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have to know about that. Uh, all right, so anyone have thoughts on AI, artificial intelligence, and where you may or may not see this fit? into the live fire industry. Doug, you are the rocket scientist of the group. What do you think about AI and where you see this in the live fire industry? You know, this weekend I saw on CBS Sunday morning, they had a segment and most of it was on chat GPT. And when, oddly enough, when I tried to go get an account, it said it was full and no, not taking more, any more reservations, but yeah. maybe I, uh, I didn't delve into it far enough. But uh, I think it's, I think it's going to raise the barbecue cooking to another level, kind of like classes did, you know, for competition, classes really raised the level of competition. Yeah, you know, people cook the same, etc. But uh, I think that, uh, you know, if someone's searching for a recipe or they want to, um, I could see myself using it. You know, this weekend I cook lobster for I hadn't done it in a long time. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, what are the ways to cook lobster poached and grilled? And, you know, it, it, it could have shortened my, my number of searches by, you know, at least half if I would have used something like chat GPT. So I think it's actually going to raise, it's going to be hell on the people that rely on Google searches. Um, but uh, it's going to raise the level of, of industry expertise rather quickly for just the generic person. Rusty, your thoughts on artificial intelligence and where you might see it being leveraged in the live fire community? I, I can't see a way besides actually I was going to touch on what Doug said. I, mean, I think it actually might dumb it down because of the Google and the Bing thing. Um, so when the search becomes AI and it just gives you what they want you to, and it's going to be harder to find um, like really good people, 
you know, unless it's like a Malcolm Reed who's just pushing content all the time, maybe they'll reach some of his stuff, but it might dumb down some really good cooks and you might miss out on some of those good articles and videos because mm-hmm. of it. That's what I think it's going to affect it in a negative way. I can't see, I mean, I try to stay away from it. I grew up in the age of Terminator. And so I'm really like not about reading about it, you know, cause that's like some, I don't, you know, I don't want to die by robots. So uh, I kind of leave it alone, but I think it's going to hurt more than help. <laughs> So if you're a business, Rusty, that's looking to get web traffic through what has been the standard going to a search engine, you know, you're putting out content in hopes that your content is going to be spit back to somebody Googling or using Bing or, you know, I don't know, whatever all these other search engines are. I just use Google myself and saying, how do I cook a brisket? As Meathead said, you're looking at an instance where it's just whatever the AI interface is or whoever's making this particular set of uh, AI is going to be able to scrape the Internet for all the best information, however quick it's going to do that, and then give you the answer, which, as we both said, uh, is going to really cut down on people's web traffic. So if you were a content – well, let me rephrase that. Rusty, you are a content creator. You do – the Pitmasters podcast, I would assume you would hope that when people go to Google and put in what's the best barbecue podcast, that Pitmasters podcast is one of the first few returns there at the top of the page. Would that disenfranchise you from wanting to put out content in the normal way, knowing that this new AI is just going to hijack it then? It, it, it's going to change for sure. And you're going to have to roll with it. Like we roll with everything. Everything is scary at first. And then it just becomes the way, but uh, food network just came out with uh, the top barbecue restaurants in every state. And in my state in Utah was some dude who's from Kansas city who moved to Brian head resort and cooks on Saturdays and he won and food network has this huge pull. <laughs> You know, so they're going to get this AI and like, oh, shit, the only barbecue place is down in friggin' Brinehead in Cedar City, Utah. We got to go down there. Meanwhile, we're all up here going, bro, we got barbecue, too. You know, I just it, it, it'll be OK, but it's just interesting how it's going to work out the kinks, I think. Doug, how do you think this is going to affect content creators in our space? Are they going to be not as ready to just pump out the content knowing that they have a potential of getting ripped off or not seeing the benefit of return website traffic coming to theirs? Yeah, I think that uh, I I kind of think it. I could hear both sides of the argument, but I think it's going to lead to more being more prolific and getting more pages out there and, and trying to get more content um, out on the web that may be scraped or or you know used by ai which in the end is going to get to is going to you know if it becomes a dominant play in the search field then that's going to be your only way and hope to get uh, your name in front of people if they're using that exclusively as compared <coughs> to a regular google google search here's what i'm wondering as a test also aside from having chat gpt write my show open last week that I read just to see if anybody would even pick up on it. And uh, John Solberg called me immediately the next day and said, artificial intelligence, you know, wrote that. But he uh, is obviously a little bit more of a deeper diver on the show than most fans are. What if I, so I also um, uploaded the first hour of, uh, I think the show a week ago, 
to uh, a service that somehow is able to um, make articles out of the transcription of the show. It's like a transcribing service, but then there were also these other uh, value-added stuff, and it was a free account, so I signed up for it. And the thing generated two separate articles, blog posts, and it's done under, okay, here's show notes in one section, here's blog posts in another section, and here's uh, main takeaways here in another section. You just click on it, and then it lays it all out, and you can copy and paste it. And I posted two articles on my uh, website as blog articles. Like, I don't remember the last time I even thought about writing a blog article. But one was uh, about Doug and John talking about John's way of making some money on Instagram and how Doug was growing his Instagram following in an organic way. And it put together this really great four-paragraph blog post that I put up there. And then uh, I forget what the other one was. It's a long way to go to say this. If I'm posting that, and then in a week, Rusty goes and chat GPTs something about how to build a, a great Instagram following. Is chat GPT going back and scraping their own shit that I just put on my website and now recycling it back? Like, could you be getting the same answers? Is it going to be proliferating the Internet with all of its own stuff? And it just is regurgitating the same stuff that it told me a year ago, five years from now? I think that's a great point. Um, It's weird. I actually saw that blog post that you put. Maybe it was on LinkedIn. Did you put it on LinkedIn? or I I saw it somewhere um, in terms of John and I. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so I I was like, but that's a great point. Is it just going to regurgitate the same thing that that's already producing if people go out and use it in a mass force? I hope so, because if that's the case, it'll just get dumber and dumber and make no more sense. Therefore, Terminator wouldn't exist because it can't be built. <laughs> Good one. Right. No cyborgs killing Rusty. It's obviously a pain point uh, for Rusty that we're learning about here. Um in other news, and we'll keep an eye on in, uh, artificial intelligence and see how it affects our industry, Dr. Barbecue's restaurant closed the Thursday before the New Year's holiday. I don't know if anybody has the stats on this, and uh, Rusty, this was probably before your time, but we did a death pool originally when Dr. Barbecue came out with the news that he was going to be in partnership uh, opening a restaurant down in Tampa on how long he would make it uh, within the business partnership, not necessarily how long the restaurant would be open, but I think we were guessing how long he would be involved with it. I might have been a year. Uh, Doug, do you have the, the numbers by chance on what the guesses were, or, or did everybody not even take part in this one my i actually have somewhat detailed notes on this because this was right at the end of uh Udoua's, uh term as a, as the ec but uh i have i've got the under because i picked the holidays uh before christmas and he goes i've got the number you should give me two to one since you've got the bigger window but i'll take it write it down i'll give you an extra 30 june 1st write it down so I did. I freaking wrote it down. And he still owes me $50 is all I'm saying. Yeah. Deadbeat. <laughs> so Doug wins on that. And 
this is what we know. If you're betting with Doug, he's keeping copious notes and ready to throw them back in your face at a moment's notice. So lesson learned by everybody that's listening to the show and will listen on podcast. Uh, there were also 18 months left in this lease. So if Ray, uh, if you were Ray, would you look to find a new backer financially or a new business restaurant partner to finish out the term of the building that you're in? Or would you ditch it and try to find a new backer and a new permanent home all at the same time? Rusty, you're somebody that is looking to get into the brick-and-mortar space at some point. What, do you, what would you do? You know, if you're closing this quickly, it's not going to work, I don't think, in any capacity in his area. It's going to be stained. It's going to be – there's places that, you know, just doesn't matter. If they didn't work out before, no one's going to go again. It's extremely rare that even a restaurant, let's say a grilled cheese restaurant, goes out of business and a barbecue comes in. It's actually still rare that location that kind of pops back up unless the food is excellent. And, of course, when the food is excellent, it doesn't matter what or where you are people will come to you or you close. And so <clears throat> I think you just kind of read the writing on the wall and say either that's not our area or we need to do it again and do it right somewhere else. Doug, would you, if you were Ray, would you try and finish out the term that's in that building? Because, you know, they were very successful there. Uh, it's just that the business owners or the money side of that restaurant was able to sell the property for, you know, I think it was $4.3, $4.5 million. And uh, the franchise or the licensing agreement with Dr. Barbecue was coming up. They weren't going to renew it. And they said, hey, uh, we got 18 months left. Let's just call it a day and, and we'll go. If you were Ray, would you try and fill those last 18 months anyway? Yeah, you, I would think, is that what happened? The partnership sold the building? So they 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 already had a lease in place, probably with themselves, not with yep. Ray. So he was just kind of the name, I would think. And so they had a lease with themselves, so they probably said, oh, we can just delete the lease and you know close up the restaurant sort of thing. So sounds like he may have gotten shafted in that deal um, if, if that's what happened. So Because normally if a landlord sells a building and there's a lease in place, then that lease continues under the the ownership, and then you know they'll get kicked out, kicked out like uh, you know the the pig place up in New York City that uh, that got kicked out of one of their buildings and stuff, um, you know the one that has the briggy. But so I yeah I, I think that uh, yeah that's that's kind of a that's kind of an interesting deal. But it's a, it, even if, even if it's still the same restaurant. Um, location, etc. It's a second generation space, and usually those sell sell faster than something has to build out. But there are eighteen months left in it. Is it? Do you think it's worth Ray's time to continue doing it for eighteen more months? He probably has no say in it because he's not on the lease. I'm. That's that's what I'm guessing. He's the name. He's not part of the partnership. So the people putting up the the equity and probably if if going into it, you probably don't want to be on the lease. Um, you know, as, as the name person, because, you know, there, there is liability there. So, um, maybe it was doing fantastic. Maybe it wasn't doing fantastic. Who knows what's behind the, the hidden door of really kind of what the financial situation was. Cause so if you're losing money, then you, why would you, I why would you, you know? Yeah. Sorry. I, I was just going to say, you know, with, if somebody came to Ray and said, hey, we know the building got sold. Um, we were big fans. We have a lot of money. You have 18 months left on this lease. 
Um, let's continue doing it until the 18 months is up so we can keep Dr. Barbecue's you know, operating because it's a fan favorite, it's doing really well, what have you. To me, I was more of a fan of saying, find if you want to continue to do it, uh, find the new backer, and then find whatever a new forever home is going to look like, whether that means you got to go up north to Clearwater, whether that means you got to go five blocks in Tampa down to you know somewhere else and open up a new spot. If you want to be still involved with the restaurant because the following is there, the food was good, like all the other stuff is good, and the only thing that happened was the property was sold, which you have no control over, then take those 18 months, don't continue to be in the – space that you know is going away and you have a finality to that spend that time finding the new backer and finding a new place and do it that way set a new open you know however the build out would have to be for a new place maybe it wouldn't be as extensive as this one was because this one took forever to actually get going uh, if you would recall back in the day so uh, we'll see what ray does there moving forward with the restaurant now licensing we were kind of hinting around at that so let's talk about licensing for a moment. If you have some kind of established or recognized name or fame within the live fire industry, let's talk about that because that's what we're covering. You know, let's say Rusty had been on television 57 times and he's won the American Royal 18 times and he's widely considered to be the name in the live fire industry. And he's thinking about getting into a restaurant. Is the safest way, Rusty, for you? Because you're thinking about doing it a completely different way. Would the safest way for you be for somebody that had a lot of money to come in and say, we want to license Salt City Barbecue. We want you to make the menu. But you're really not putting up any of your own money. We believe in the name. The name is going to draw people here. And that's how we want to work it. Is that the best way to go about it, do you think? It's funny because for me as being a quality person, it would be really difficult for me to put my name on something that I, I would basically turn control over to someone else ultimately. And I don't know what I would have to have more power if I was to do it. But, you know, and, and, for, and so for someone who looks at a restaurant and well, I go two ways, I can do the stick burner thing. And if I do that, I'm going to be locked into this restaurant myself for a long time. But if I go another way where a 16 year old can run it, I can sell it. And so, but do I want to sell it and go the route that a lot of those restaurants do? It's a kind of a, it's a hard, it's a, it's an interesting quandary to be in. But um, as far, but I'm getting more to the point of like, you know what? I would probably put my, my name on it and let it ride if I was making enough money. Cause in the end, um, I would rather have my kids taken care of than them saying my dad could cook a good brisket, you know? Doug is, do you think licensing is the safest way to go if you have a, a big name, if you're being approached versus just sinking your cash into it yourself? Yeah, I think so. Because even if you, you sunk your cash into it, you'd be a minority owner, right? And my minority owners uh, from a value standpoint are discounted from a valuation standpoint anyway. Plus, you'd be signing your name. You'd be you know somewhat responsible for the decisions that uh, you're not in control of as a minority owner, the the major stakeholders with, you know, that are putting up most of the cash. So I think that, you know, a licensing would, would reduce your risk from that standpoint of them basically deciding to shut it down or do whatever to kind of like in the same way Dr. Barbecue uh, did. But, uh, you know, if, if Dr. Barbecue was more of a he was more of a marketing person, it seemed to me. He wasn't he wasn't actually working and being a chef and 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 working the pits and things like that. So if you're doing that, 
I would think you would want more of a uh, of an ownership stake in the business uh, versus just a, a licensing agreement. What kind of agreement, you know, speaking of, does Sam have? You know, Sam is Sam's pretty involved in all of his you know restaurants and seems to be you know in the back of the house front of the house and doing all kinds of things and um seems like he's probably more of a partner type relationship as compared to a licensing what i think the best opportunity here if if you have a name i don't know specifically what kind of an agreement sam has uh or, or ray had for that instance but i think there was some agreement made between whoever these partners are and whoever these names are, and they say, we want you to put together the menu. We want you to do quality checks, but you're not going to hire. Uh, you're not going to run day-to-day -day operations. You're not going to be responsible for P&L. But in exchange, we're going every month we're going to give you, I don't know, uh, a percentage of whatever the, the gross is, or we're going to give you a percentage of whatever the, the net net is. I, I don't know what the, the intricacies are there. But I would assume that every month uh, a big name, if you're licensing, is getting a percentage of whatever being brought in, and your expertise is, A, getting fannies in the seats because of the name, and then you're also devising recipes and making sure the food is on point, and, and then you're agreeing how often those quality controls take place or how often you have to bring new recipes in to keep things fresh. If I had a name, like that would be the best thing ever because I don't have to put up any of my money in order to get this thing up and running. I'm not dealing with all the back-end stuff that is a time vampire. Hopefully these people that I'm going in the business with are experts in the industry and have those experts to keep that part of the ship running well, and I can just focus on what I'm doing. It appears that Sam is having a great time being in front of his three or four different places that he's in partnership with. It appeared Ray was having a great time with uh, whoever his partners were that were running Dr. Barbecues. Uh, I think he ended up being in his restaurant more than he even thought he was going to be in there because he liked it. The atmosphere was good. It was popular down in Tampa. The food was great. There were never any complaints. They were always trying to think of new stuff. And every month he was probably getting a percentage of whatever the restaurant was getting in. And remember, for Ray, there was a couple years of COVID, which really sucked. So I don't know if whatever he was getting was affected by that or if he just got paid, hey, an agreement's an agreement, and you know that's just the way it is. So I would much rather be in a position of doing a licensing. I think that's kind of what Mo Kaysan, uh, was talking about a year and a half ago when I had him on as well when we caught this great sound drop. <laughs> but uh, I think it would be a wonderful opportunity if you have the but of course you have to have the name in order to bring in those invitations anyway gents we have gone all the way to the end here and we haven't even covered all of the other items which is a shame however that leads us to having stuff to talk about in february when hopefully john rejoins us on the way out rusty what are we promoting here for you you can uh, catch up on the Pitmasters podcast. I don't know if we're going to have an episode this week. We're supposed to record tonight. It didn't happen, so we'll see. But you can check Fill the Grill out right now on that last episode. 
Yeah, so if if you can hear me, uh, I can't wait for Sam the the cooking guy to come up with a, a his new name of you know uh, Pissageddon or whatever's happening with the sound quality for you, Greg. Oh. So you're having to live through it. I know you're you're just chomping at the bit. I'm on the latest issue of the Baseball and Barbecue we'll with Diva Q as a co-host, and then uh, I'm also on Eat More uh, Barbecue. I had a, an extensive, uh, uh, really fun fun interview with uh, Ryan of that show. And uh, I'm getting ready for the San Antonio radio. So I go and load my trailer in tomorrow, and we start cooking Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Doug Shiding, the longest-running correspondent from Texas right to the right of me, and caddy corner down at the bottom is Rusty Monson, the embedded correspondent from the great city of Utah and the pitmaster of Salt City Barbecue Competition Team and associated food trailer. Gentlemen, always appreciate the time, and we will see you in February. No doubt about it. Wonderful success, uh, Sans John, which is unfortunate, but we look forward to having him come back in February and hopefully well recovered at that point. Before we leave here this evening, head on over to BigPapaSmokers.com, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies, getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling, Big Papa Ball himself, known for the rubs and seasonings. Popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners on the competition circuit and in the backyard. Also, the owner of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everybody, why not give Granny's a try? Aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, they're selling cookers. Looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out that Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Pop Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers, why not give them a call and ask what might be best for you? 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website, BigPopSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, welcome back. And I agree with Tom Dickey. Love when that sound drops. What's worse is I can see it on the meter over here. In my DAW, which is tragic, but I'm at the mercy of the internet being a connected guest here this evening. <laughs> anyway, we thank the embedded correspondents for joining me the last two segments here in the second hour and sharing a whole bunch of thoughts and opinions in the live fire community. Let's go ahead and get the hell out of here already so I can get this cat pissed mixer replaced with a brand new piss free one. All the way back in the first hour, Bob Trudnack joined me, BobTrudnackBBQ.com, his website. After Bob, it was Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com. And then, of course, the embedded correspondence in the second hour. I'm hoping new mixer by this time next Tuesday. We'll see how it goes. No promises, but we should have new mixer in-house here tomorrow or tomorrow's Wednesday uh, or Thursday and then we'll look to get it hooked up from there so fingers crossed 
Big show planned for you next week, so stay tuned for that. So how do I always leave you? September 11th, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good. Yo, pod! This is Meet Mitch, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Bomb!